1: So thick this carpet under my toes, You're Hamish. Enjoying it,
0: aren't you?
1: I think I might lie down and wriggle around on it for a bit.
0: Do you it, mind? It's that kind of carpet, isn't it? Yeah, naked wriggles. it would be a delicious wriggly naked carpet. <laughs> yeah. You know when you buy a new towel and you really oh yes enjoy the softness of the new towel or a new pair of a new pair of slippers before they've like. Broken in.
1: Oh, yeah. I don't have slippers. In no, it's more an English <laughs> thing,
0: isn't it? I don't think I've worn slippers. Do in you here. wear slippers? Do you? Only the ones I've sold from hotels, which are more like okay. they <laughs> haven't got the backs. So yes, it's almost yes. like a flip flop. <laughs> you are lying. I know that you wear slippers still. No, I've got the best slippers. Honestly, I've got the best slippers in the world, which is this New Zealand brand. Yeah. And they look awful, but the all of the inside is. Sheep's wool. Oh yeah, nice. So the first few weeks before they have broken in, it feels like you're being hugged from every angle. Oh yes. Well, I wore them. They're, they're in England. And I wore them. I went back and they're just way they're way too hot for England. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so they're they, way they, too they hot. I haven't made the trip back. Well, here. I reckon
1: this carpet might be like wool. Yeah, it does feel ours, like that, doesn't
0: it? it? It's a blue carpet, and your hands are also blue today. You, it's kind of like I'm recording a <laughs> podcast with a Smurf.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm blue. Da, 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 da. I am blue today because I've been tie dyeing. Yeah. So my son, George, has a little tie-dye business, so I help him do tie-dyeing. He gets, like, T-shirts from the op shops and recycles them and sells yes. them in a shop. So I help him do that. So, yeah, my hands are blue, which is odd. Yeah, I'm not turning it into a smurf. I don't think.
0: No. No. Uh, also, you've had quite a big week. You've just returned from Byron, where I I like to think that you did a TED Talk in Byron. <laughs> yeah, I, I like to think that, too. Yeah, good, good. I do feel like I got over my fear of public speaking this week. Well, this is massive. So you've been practising public speaking for a A year. year? A year I've started, yeah. A year. And sort of last, or what do we choose, almost exactly a week ago was the culmination of that so tell yeah. us how it went
1: well it was very nerve wracking because I knew I was going to be on a stage and people had bought tickets it was 60 bucks yeah. a, a ticket oh wow whereas if it was something free you'd feel like well it's alright if I fuck it up yeah, but yeah, if yeah. people are buying tickets you feel a certain sense of responsibility don't you mm-hmm. so I was scared I was nervous and I wasn't quite sure how it was going to go I'd practiced my lovely friend Emma had come up to help me she'd been sort of training me on Zoom calls and I kept doing read throughs with her and the day, I was quite nervous. I went for lots of walks. Were you
0: as scared and as nervous as you thought you would be?
1: Nowhere near. Oh, that's good. And actually this amazing girl Lissy Turner was on there as well. There was quite, it was with Ash Grunwald and it was been organised by Danny Carr who does the How I Quit Alcohol um, podcast. So it was a crew of sober people. We are mm. all in the same boat. A few people had a bit more experience with public speaking than I did. So I did feel quite vulnerable. But Lissy said about a second before I stepped onto the stage, she said to me remember it's you that's giving them a gift Nice, and that just made me suddenly realise it took all the pressure from me and I felt so much better about the situation because oh. I realised people are there to listen to what I've got to say it's not me trying to impress people for once like it may have been in my drinking days mm-hmm. it was me being there because I had knowledge about a topic that people had paid for to listen to me talk. Yes. So, and that actually, I felt the fear flood flood away from me when she did that. So I sent her a message afterwards and said, thank you for that, because I really, I think it helped me find my feet a little bit. And it was good. Everyone else stood behind a lectern and I had one of those little mics on and stood oh, out the front so and perfect, walked around. Band. Yeah, I was like a boy band. <laughs> I, I raised off my seat like yeah, boys' zone. The key change. Yeah, the nice. key change, yeah. <laughs> I really enjoyed it actually, and I feel like I could do it again. Yeah, well, yeah, that done. was the change. It was like I never want to do this. Why am I doing this? Why have I said yeah. yes to this? To me, going, I feel like I could do that again and, and enjoy it next
0: time. And I think now that it was a paid event, you could maybe change your LinkedIn to professional speaker.
1: Oh gosh, right? Okay, I think yeah. you can, say oh, professional can I? Spe- I?
0: I definitely would be doing that now. Okay, I think I will. Professional speaker. Professional speaker. Yeah. What are those people called? So, Co- so, cult leader?
1: So, can I change it to that? Mm, no. <laughs> A cup of cult leader.
0: Yeah, a cup of cult leaders doesn't have a nice ring to it, actually. <laughs> yes. That's the only thing you can be a cult leader after, Yeah, is you can... yours.
1: And it was so lovely, Hamish, like, halfway through, we were in the dressing room, it was all, like, yeah. backstage, with, I felt like a muso, <laughs> and we were backstage, and suddenly I saw some flowers, there were some spiral stairs that went up into the green room, and suddenly some flowers popped up, and Freddie was walking up the stairs with a big big bunch yes. of flowers, which was lovely, so the, the kids came to Funnily wish me enough, luck.
0: I called John, and he was on the way to Oh, did you? you? <laughs> he was like, we've got flowers, we're going to go surprise her <laughs> backstage now, so yeah, I knew that was coming. I said oh, was, good dadding and good husbanding. It was good husbanding.
1: Yeah. I was proud. Yeah. Lots
0: of points for that.
1: Yeah, they're so cute.
0: <laughs> Which is sort of what we're talking about in this week's episode. This is one that I've looked forward to writing since I joined the podcast. It's going to be fun, it's going to be honest, and it will probably involve the mentioning of feces and vomit. But thankfully, not us.
1: God, this is a first, Hamish. We're it's, usually it's, always it's, talking it's about our own, <laughs> own feces and vomit. Yes, it's a rare week off for our listeners hearing about our excrement and spew. Yes, everyone, it's time to spit the dummy and cry over the spilt milk. This episode is about parenting and how it can affect your drinking and your sobriety. We will explore every stage from the moment you and your partner fall pregnant to the first night out as a parent.
0: We will share some of our personal stories of what we have found easy and hard and hopefully help you at whatever stage you are in your sobriety or parenthood.
1: Now, I'm imagining parents sneaking away from their crying babies to put on some noise-cancelling headphones or tune out their screams by pumping up the stereo volume in the car to listen to this episode. Do whatever it takes, people. Because if you are drinking because of the strain of parenting, then this is the episode for
0: you. Yes, it is. We see you, parents. Thank you for listening. But maybe go and check on little Timmy in the air break.
1: Yeah, just go and do a double check. That's a good idea, Hamish. The day that you become a parent your life changes forever, for good, for bad and everything in between.
0: And as you change, your drinking habits change too. In fact, I'd go even further and say the day you or your partner falls pregnant is the day that everything changes. Some might find their intake rising with the increased pressures and responsibility, whereas for others, this might be the exact thing that pushes them to sobriety. In Vic and I, you have two people who took completely opposite paths. So hopefully we have you covered either way.
1: Also, Hamish, I think for some couples, one might change after having kids and the other might stay the same, which can also cause trouble. Whatever happens, having kids is like a very long car journey. There are lots of wrong turns, arguments and wee stops. I hope this episode means you reach your destination feeling like parenting sober is the best option.
0: Are we nearly there yet? How good one.
1: Over the course of today's episodes, we hope you can prepare for some of the challenges you and your sobriety might face when becoming a mum or dad. Whether you're a single, pregnant, married or already a parent, we hope there'll be something for everyone.
0: The truth is that nothing can really help prepare you for parenthood. No matter how many baby books you read, trust me, I read loads of them.
1: Yeah, and I just ended up feeling like I was failing because I wasn't doing what was in the baby books.
0: But I'll tell you the secret of baby books is... It's important, I think, from a male's perspective, it's important you read them for two reasons. One, you learn something, mm-hmm. you may or may not use it. Two, your wife or your partner sees you reading them. Okay. You're not doing anything during pregnancy, yeah. they are doing everything. So, them seeing you at least supporting by reading the frickin' book is massively important.
1: Okay, so you can just pretend to read them. Even if your phone is inside
0: the book and you're (laughs) watching football, just let them see you read the book. It's a good tip.
1: Okay, that is a good tip, actually. Yeah, I think I would feel better being married to someone that at least tried to read something. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You might be able to learn from some of the mistakes Vic and I have made in parenthood. Avoiding these should not only help you be a better parent, but a healthier, more vibrant version of your true self.
1: Yeah. One of the reasons I asked you, Hamish to co-present this podcast was because I wanted to hear a young... Do you like the way I've called you yeah, young I Yeah, thank there? you for calling yeah. me young. A young, sober dad's perspective on parenting. So I can't wait to pick your brains on this.
0: I think we should start with the day you find out you're pregnant, because I'm sure the thought process with regards to drinking is wildly different between men and women here.
1: I found out, Hamish, that I was pregnant when I was severely hungover.
0: Really? I'm going the to be time. honest,
1: the first time. Yeah. Yeah. So I was engaged. I'd been out to a party and I'd got really drunk. And um, last thing I remember was um, walking back from the bar with a tray of shots going, yeah, come on, I got shots. And I hear this story a lot. A lot of women find out they're pregnant when they're hungover. It's just the thing or they got pregnant and th- while they were drinking, it is very common. Because usually you're out, so before you yeah, have kids, yeah. you're going to be out more, so generally you're going to be hungover and drinking a lot
0: more. So did you wake up with a particularly bad hangover that may or may not have been morning sickness as well? Well, I found out, oh, it's a funny story, I woke
1: up wedged between a bed and a cupboard, yeah, and I was calling out, going, "Help me, help me!" because I couldn't move. I was kind of like on my side, like a doorstop, sort of like in between. And I had my friend. What? Like, I'd like fallen doorstop. Well, I'd fallen out of bed at my mate's house where I was sleeping, and I'd fallen in between. And I was like, literally, I couldn't move. I was like a fish, sort of wiggling around. Like and I was doorstop like doorstop yeah, <laughs> Help me, help me! And my friend got me out, and I remember calling John. So I'd stayed in Manly in Sydney, and I had yeah. to get home. And I was like, I need you to come and pick me up. I'm really hungover, and i remember thinking god my tits were sore mm. but i thought maybe i'd been like tassel twizzling or something doing the worm, doing the worm it mm. could have been anything i could have been doing anything so i was just like oh my tits are sore is that really horrible saying my tits no, are sore no, so, yeah. no. <laughs> that's what happens unfortunately everybody <laughs> if you haven't got kids uh, your tits get sore yeah <laughs> yeah and that's how you find out and i didn't really think of anything of it and i had a terrible hangover i'd been in bed all day mm. and then the next day I thought, oh, this hangover seems to be going on rather a bit too long. Mm. And John had gone to work and I was like, what's going on here? And I happened to have some pregnancy tests. And I went into the bathroom, I did a pregnancy test, and I was still slightly hungover from the weekend after a massive, massive weekend out. And I was totally overwhelmed with the result. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe I was pregnant.
0: What did you do? Was it? Floods of tears, was it? Yeah,
1: I was crying because I was sad, but also crying because I was happy. I mean, I was 34 (laughs) and I was getting married and I knew that I wanted to have children I just didn't want to be pregnant at my wedding I was three months before my wedding yeah and I was like oh god I'm going to be pregnant at my wedding I'll have to postpone I was literally like there's no way I'm not going to drink at my wedding so I'll have to postpone the whole thing I mean we were getting married in France I couldn't really postpone it I remember John coming home and him walking I could hear him walking up the stairs I was like desperate to tell him Mm -hmm. and I remember just looking at him and holding the pregnancy test up and his knees actually like wobbled and he couldn't sort of stand up he was it was like pure joy and I just knew even though I knew that it meant I was going to have to stop drinking that you know this baby was made with love Mm -hmm. and for a good reason and I was happy with that but I was nervous about it from
0: the start. How soon after finding out you're pregnant did you think about the fact you were going to have to stop drinking for the next nine months?
1: Well, straight away. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, because I was hungover as well, I felt kind of guilty because you worry about that. Like, I've, well, I knew...
0: Did you? did you worry or was it a relief?
1: No, I was, was worried like- that I'd been drinking not okay, knowing yeah, I was yeah. pregnant. Like, I knew that I'd gone out on a big binge like two yeah. nights before. And I felt, like, oh, my God, I've been I'm pregnant and I didn't know it. And I hope I haven't done anything terrible to the baby.
0: But with regards to the fact you have to be sober from that day on for nine months, did that come as a relief to you? Like, amazing, I've got this, like, get out of jail free card that I have to go sober? Or were you like, how am I going to do it? Like, how do you actually feel about compulsory nine month sobriety?
1: I think I felt a sense of relief. Mm-hmm. I wasn't enjoying drinking as much yeah. as I had done by that point, And I felt like, oh, wow, I need to stop now. And there's nothing I can do about mm-hmm. it. And actually, it was a really good lesson to learn. I stopped that day. I did feel nervous about having a wedding without any alcohol yes. that was a concern of mine but overall i felt like right this is my time to step up and be be the mum that i want to be because i was much more stable then i'd met john we would you know we had a house i wasn't travelling anymore mm. and i felt like i was ready i was 34 years old and this is what i was going to do and i felt really happy about it i knew i had to grow up a bit i knew i had to be more responsible which was scary there's something really scary about getting pregnant because yeah. all of a sudden your life isn't your own anymore. And that's the sense I felt. I felt overwhelmed because I was like, oh, my God, what if I, you know, put it in the oven or leave a frying pan in reach or, you know, leave it in the back of the car or do all these things. I was like, oh, my- I'm not responsible enough. I knew that I had to grow up, which was quite scary. But I was already struggling with anxiety ridden hangovers by that point. So it was great having an excuse to say no.
0: What about you? I've never heard your story like that. Weirdly, your story is very similar to mine and Liz's story. Liz was 34. Liz fell pregnant a few months out from the wedding. So she, I think she was five months pregnant at our wedding. Um, we also, you know, sort of settled and we had a home and we knew that we were going to be spending the rest of our lives together. And, yeah, she had this compulsory, oh, no, I'm going to be sober at my wedding day. So we oh, thought yeah. we tried, <laughs> exactly we tried moving it. Yeah, all of those things, we, th- we looked into moving it. Um, so I guess, yeah, I don't know if she did... I know that was your first sober social event was your own wedding. I don't know if we had anything in between, but yeah, very very similar story to ours. And I yeah, when when I heard the news, so I came back from work and Liz she set up a camera, so we actually have it on camera. Oh, but excellent. she she I've got something to give you, and she gave me an envelope, which was like a I think it was a a furniture shop envelope. I thought, gosh, oh. it's gonna be a freaking sofa. Like yeah. I, I don't. Well, she loves buying sofas, and I hate buying sofas. I thought. Why are you Interest telling me free. that you bought? Yeah. Interest yeah, yeah, Why are you showing this soapy thing? Anyway, she told me. And I can remember being ecstatic. But also I was in a weird... Uh, the way I reacted in hindsight was not normal. Right. So I, I'd been trying to call my brother for ages. Did
1: you take your trousers off and
0: run around the room? Yeah. Oh, actually, weirdly, in the video, the minute I came in, I took my top off. So I'm topless when she tells me the news <laughs> for no real reason. Um, and I remember I'd been trying to call my brother the whole drive home. She told me the news. And then I was like, cool, i have just to call my brother. I did. I obviously didn't tell him. Cause right. it Right. Early so I still I home with the phone call, which she was then like, why are we not celebrating together? You're on your phone to your brother <laughs> for ages. So that was a bit weird. Overwhelm, I, I think. Yeah, it just was unnatural. And I think it is important to say, although I didn't feel it on the day, I felt it during the pregnancy, that as ecstatic as you are with the news, there's also a part of you that grieves for me. That's what I felt. You're like, amazing, I'm going to be a dad and we're going to have a child. But also, a part of you is sad that your old life is over. You know, from the day you have a, a child, you are a dad for the rest of your life, uh, and you. Can't, look, I kept on thinking about all the things that I probably wouldn't be able to do anymore. Most of it, which are just sort of carefree, getting hammered at a music festival type, type yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, Um But I think people don't talk about that. I think it is important to talk about. There is a bit of sadness even in the like the supposedly on paper happiest moment of your life.
1: I think that sadness, Hamish, is why like I think you've hit the nail on the head which is why mummy wine culture exists mm. I think that is the basis of it is yeah. that grief is because people want to find a piece of their old self again and want to imagine what they were like and, and rediscover who they once were. And that is where you start going out drinking because you're going to yeah. go and do the same things that you used to do. And, that, and that's, how we, that's how we do it. It's the only way we know how to find ourselves again as parents is to go out and get pissed and, you know, dance around on a dance floor. So it's really interesting that, that, that grief causes us to, to act
0: out as parents sometimes. But with regards to drinking very interesting the way it happens so I always used to say if I ever have a wife and she falls pregnant I'll give up for nine months as a sign of solidarity I always said that that is not what I did weirdly when Elizabeth eventually fell pregnant she said to me hey don't feel like you need to like one of us should be I'm going to be the designated driver like go for it if you want to go for it and I didn't give it a second thought you know I just went okay yeah I will drink and which sort of surprised me but I think For dads or for the partner of someone who's pregnant, it can go two ways. Either you're going to turn to drink during the pregnancy because there is this increased pressure in your life. You're going to become a dad. For me, I was going to become the sort of breadwinner of the family. We need more money. We need more space. I need to be good at dadding. Like the nine months is like begun and you've got planning and shit on your plate. So Mm. I can see why anyone would turn to drink. You know, let's go for it. Within that as well, there's this idea that in nine months' time, shit gets real for the husband yes. or the partner. Whereas for the for the woman who's fallen pregnant, shit's gotten real the day you found out you're pregnant. Yep. So you're like, I've got nine more months before I have responsibilities. Like, <laughs> Let's just get hammered every day. Um, and yeah. So I can see why people would do that. I, yeah. I didn't do that because I think I was almost more frightened and more aware of my responsibilities and more aware that I need to save money and I need to do all these responsible things as well as being a good supportive partner Mm. um so I I didn't go for it but I can totally understand why anyone would drink more during their partner's pregnancy
1: just quickly was Liz offered wine when she was pregnant when because I know on my wedding day Mm. I was pregnant and I got a lot of
0: And have one, one, one hurt. Right. She gave herself one glass of champagne on her wedding day. Yep. And then, bizarrely, I've not actually told this on the podcast. Liz went 10 days over her due date. Yes. And we tried all of the things to try and get her naturally induced. A curry. And we did curry, we did beach walks we did the massages, everything that you've ever read about, we did it. And in the end, 10 days after the due date, a friend of mine said, I had three kids. On the last one, we tried this drink and it worked. And this drink, ladies and gentlemen, has got a lot of champagne in it, about half a bottle of champagne. Yeah. It's got castor oil, it's got almond butter, and it's got peach nectar.
1: We don't recommend this, by the way. No.
0: It turns <laughs> out none of the midwives that we then met recommend it either. But it's got alcohol in it. And Liz drank it, and we were literally holding our son like four, four or five hours later. God. It's not the champagne that does that, it's the castor oil. Yeah. But, um yeah, so weirdly, she had one glass of champagne on our wedding day and then nothing until this weird that weird concoction right. that we <laughs> which had. is brew yeah gosh um, yeah so, yeah, she didn't – no one really peer pressured into it, actually. But our wedding, you know, there were six people at our wedding, including us. Of course, us. yes, so yeah. it wasn't. it wasn't a big party.
1: I think I was kind of pushing people away in the end because I got fed up with people asking me. I was like, no, I'm not drinking, I'm pregnant. But, um, you know, it's a different generation The people that were there. My aunties and uncles were just like, oh, don't worry about it, you'll be fine. One's not going to hurt, one's not going to hurt. I remember getting a bit annoyed by the end of the day. Well, I remember actually holding a flute of champagne yeah. just to, you know – appease people mm-hmm. which was stupid I was just pretending that I was drinking it cause, but I was like, oh, God, pregnant up. yeah well, I mean what do you want to do And
0: um, one of the last things I will mention about what might drive the partners of the pregnant people into drinking is that obviously in pregnancy everything changes um, and you do have these arguments that you might not have before which can put what pressure on, to say? on the relationship what are you trying to say Hamish? I am not saying that <laughs> women become psychopaths that's not <laughs> what I'm saying what I'm saying is that Liz, Liz and I to be fair I got very lucky Liz was Almost exactly normal yeah. for the whole time. But there was one argument, which is such a gem, which I will repeat, um, which was she was, she rung me up livid. Right. I, the most angry I've ever heard her. She's heavily pregnant at this point. And we've got two cars in our life. OK, she has our car and then I have a car that I use for work, which is owned by the company that I work for.
1: Yeah.
0: Our car, which I do not drive because I drive the work car, was out of petrol. And she needed to get somewhere by a certain time, and she was going to be late. She had to stop for petrol. I was like, Liz, I don't, I don't see, I don't understand how this is my fault. Yeah. I didn't drive that. So car. she was angry but with you. Livid, oh, yeah. livid. So I, 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 had it lucky, but I'm, I know that lots of relationships have more arguments during the pregnancy, I, and that can drive mm, people to drinking.
1: I don't think John had it easy.
0: Okay. Yeah,
1: I think I was quite grumpy a lot of the time because. I had every single ailment you could ever imagine. Yeah. My hands were scrunched up, I had sore feet, I had diabetes. I was like a horrible bloated mess and quite angry.
0: I think that's fair. I think I think any anger that any pregnant woman feels towards their partner during the pregnancy is kind of justified yeah everything has changed like your whole body is changing i've got a and human we, yeah nothing growing. nothing changes for us no we've got a human
1: it yeah. feels mental even when you think about it now i'm growing a human inside yeah. my tummy
0: liz did out that she did hold that over me it was hi home what did you do today i grew eyebrows <laughs> i'm working on a brain what did you do? Oh, you had a difficult day at work. When Shout I found
1: out. it was funny when you don't know whether you're having a boy or a girl because then you're like, oh, I'm growing a penis. Yeah, I'm growing a penis inside me. <laughs> That's <weird>. oh, okay. <laughs> so, We're talking about baby penises. Have I thought? Have I thought
0: about that too much?
1: I just thought we should highlight the dangers of drinking alcohol before, during and after the birth here very quickly so the listeners can comprehend the risks.
0: Okay, yeah. So we're going to talk about when you're planning a pregnancy, when you are pregnant and when you're breastfeeding. So we'll start about when you're pan- planning the pregnancy. So during that time, alcohol can affect the fertility of both the man and the woman. To improve your chances of becoming parent, it's probably best to avoid drinking alcohol during this time. That's actually something that Liz and I did do as we... Oh, did you I when you were trying? Yeah, right, yeah. yeah, there's no more no more drinking alcohol. At oh, all. that's good. That kind of alcohol can permanently harm an unborn baby. You should not drink alcohol if you're planning to become pregnant because no safe level of alcohol has been identified. Yes,
1: I don't drink any weird concoctions. No. When pregnant, when a woman drinks alcohol during her pregnancy, so does the developing baby. The baby's blood gets about the same level of alcohol as the mother's blood. That's oh, frightening. Boy, I, I know. That. This can cause lower birth weights, miscarriage, stillbirth, premature births, birth defects and a range of conditions known as fetal alcohol spectrum disorder or FASD. Whoa. Yep, huge huge side effects it can have.
0: When you are breastfeeding, the alcohol crosses into the breast milk and can stay there for several hours. It can reduce the flow of your milk. This can unsettle the baby and cause them to eat and sleep less. And it can affect how the baby's brain and spinal cord develops. Isn't that crazy? I had no idea about that. I knew it was a bad idea, but I didn't actually know why.
1: me neither. When you drink, the concentration of alcohol in your blood and breast milk is the same. The baby's brain keeps developing after it's born. This means an infant's brain is more sensitive to damage from alcohol than an adult brain.
0: We're not trying to scare you here, but these are not small side effects.
1: No, they're not at all. Like, and they're stuff we don't know, like we're saying. Alcohol has massive impact on our children, even before they've squeezed their way out of the lady garden.
0: <laughs> lady garden.
1: Yes. <laughs> but as the big day approaches, whatever feelings and emotions you might have had, nerves or excitement or fear are most likely increasing with each passing day. Until finally the day comes when you become a
0: parent. So let's focus on that exact day just for a moment. It's quite an unusual one, really, in that your friends and family are celebrating your news wherever they might be. They might be raising a glass or popping a bottle in your name. But for you, drinking alcohol might be the last thing on your mind. Vic, you've got three kids. How did you feel after each of their births?
1: I mean, I did feel pure... Unadulterated love, Hamish. Of course, but I'm not sure whether that was the fact that I'd had three C sections and a lot of opioids. Could have been,
0: Could've yeah. It's
1: a mixture of love
0: and drugs, I think. But, funnily enough, I think a lot of people talk about feeling that I, Liz, and I didn't feel that on the day. A
1: lot of people don't. Yeah. To feel
0: like yeah. We saw it. We held it for the first time, and then you know we've never felt love like that before. And for us, it, that came over time. It does take time. I yeah. think it. I think you feel it. The hospital is a very, very
1: strange experience. Mm. You're in a completely different world in there. So it's hard to comprehend the reality of what's really happening and bringing this new life yeah. in you know into the world and and feeling and because f- I was on drugs I'd, I'd had like fentanyl and all these really strong drugs they give you when you have a when you have a C-section yeah. so I think I felt those things but afterwards I remember there being a bit of a come down and I do have a theory about those come downs you know they talk about the baby blues on <laughs> on day 5 and things like that but I was actually on a drug come down so no wonder people mentioned that mm. because I was kind of feeling depressed on day five but I do wonder if it is related to the fact that I'd been given all those drugs yeah I'm actually doing some work with the University of Sydney at the moment, Hamish, which I forgot to tell you about, which is I'm helping do some research on postpartum anxiety. So for women who drink more alcohol after their birth or start to use alcohol uh, in relation to parenting. So hopefully all that work will come out in the next couple of years. What? They're doing a big thesis on it, yeah, and we're, we've got some government funding and everything to find out why women use alcohol more after having children. So okay. that's going to be How really does interesting.
0: How your LinkedIn? Can we say PhD can can we say lecturer can we say professional researcher you say whatever you want on there Okay, (laughs) doesn't matter that's all I'm thinking about or just CEO CEO of something
1: if you would like to support the Sober Awkward podcast we're excited to announce that we've joined Patreon Patreon is a membership platform which allows you to give back for the content you love
0: by buying Sober Awkward a cuppa once a month we can keep the giggles coming and continue sharing our sobriety message
1: by joining Patreon, you get access to Sober Awkward merch, extra content, special promos, and loads more. Just find the link in the show notes or head to patreon.com and search for Sober Awkward.
0: And together we could learn how to feel the awkward and do it anyway.
1: I mean, I did feel like a superhero after giving birth. As a woman, mm. I'd never really achieved anything in my life. You know, I'd been a party person. I hadn't really done anything interesting. Mm -hmm. I'd travelled the world. Yeah, I'd done that sort of thing. But I'd never achieved anything huge. And I felt like an earth mother, like a creator of life, a sort of warrior. Um, And I went into that mode, I remember, when when actually trying to push the baby out. It ended up being a 50-hour labour. First one. 50 with George. Wow. He had a massive head. He was stuck in my whatever it is. Lady Garden. <laughs> lady Garden. <gum. laughs> yeah. He was stuck in the upper Lady Garden. <laughs> <laughs> And they actually ended up having to do a emergency C section mm-hmm. after two days of oh being in labour. Yeah.
0: Were you in hospital both days Yeah, of your I was home. in hospital, oh yeah. Yeah,
1: it was a nightmare. And actually, they should have taken him out before that because you're yeah. not supposed to leave yeah, yeah, the yeah. womb sort of open to infection. Don't so leave
0: the garden gate open, don't for that leave long. the gate open, <laughs> gents. <laughs>
1: yeah so the gate was open for far too long and anyway it ended up being very traumatic Mm -hmm. and this kind of emergency and it all feels really scary and all you see is lights and people in masks and people talking about you and you don't feel conscious and your teeth are chattering and it's all a very well really overwhelming experience but the day after that I felt like like you did it was time to sort of get to know the baby and those nights in the hospital those first few nights when it's just you and the baby on your own mm. that's when you get to make the promises and say you know I'm going to be your best mum yeah, I mean and that. I love you so much and they open their eyes and that's when you fall in love I don't think it's straight away yep. I think it takes a couple of days for you to especially when they look in your eyes for the first mm. time yeah and I promised to be the best mum I ever could be to George on that day when he was first born and but then of course the difficulties outweigh the love in some respects Mm -hmm. when you get home because that becomes a very, very frightening experience for most mums because all of a sudden you've gone from being irresponsible, to being 100% responsible for a young life. And for me, every day felt like life or death. Mm. I felt like if I didn't feed properly, the baby was going to die or or something was going to go wrong or I'd have to go back into emergency or my stitches were going to split open and my guts were going to fall right. out. Like, it was irrational, mm-hmm. but I couldn't help it. And I think it also had something to do with that drug come down as well. I was kind of feeling mentally unstable after I had that first C-section. So, of course, I looked forward to having a wine. I looked forward to that first time. I mean, I did have a sparkling wine in the hospital on the day that he was born. My first wine for nine months. Yeah, yeah, I
0: don't think that's uncommon.
1: I think that's very normal. The champagne came out straight away.
0: Was that the the same with the other two? Have this come down? Do you have obviously on drugs for all of them? Do you still have that glass? The second one I
1: did. As a third baby, I was sober. sober. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, so that was a completely different experience and much nicer. Yeah, so I got home and the house was filled with flowers and champagne from the hospital. Everybody had sent me a bottle of of alcohol to, to celebrate the baby's birth, to wet the baby's head. So of course I just slipped into exactly what I used to do. It took six weeks before I drank again after the birth. I was busy breastfeeding and trying to keep that bloody baby alive but then of course my old habits slipped back in because of the pressures of motherhood Mm -hmm. as things got harder and lack of sleep and difficulty feeding I of course lent on the only thing I knew how to and there was a very subtle increase in my consumption over time.
0: Okay so it wasn't a one big blowout and then you're all in it was a gradual descent back into a bad relationship with alcohol
1: definitely because i felt that need for a reward after a good day of parenting so it wasn't just binge drinking at the weekends at the end of a tough day which all days are tough when you're uh, your first time new mum there was an excuse at hand for me to go right the baby's asleep come on let's have a let's have a glass of wine so you having that glass of
0: wine at home with a mate or is that alone no with john with John, okay. With my husband, so you're it was not going like, out to a pub, you, the baby's no, down, let's have a quick license. Yeah, decompress. That
1: changed, though, over time when I got more confident with my parenting, then I went out and got yeah. wasted. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds fucked up, but I'm just being honest true, with you. Yeah. True,
0: true. For us, it was similar. I can remember... When I came home and Liz was sort of like having the contractions or the surges, as we call them hypnobirthing, and I remember thinking, right, I need to get the house ready for we're going to go and we're going to come back. And one of the things I did was put a bottle of wine in the fridge, knowing that she'd want, oh, might have in bubbles, but yeah, knowing that she'd want it when we came back. And I actually asked her about it the other day. I said, when we came back, we had a glass together and her, par- uh, her dad was on the way to come to come see us. And I said, you know, what was what was that like? And she said that she'd thought of it a lot during her pregnancy, but it was more as a signpost that, that pregnancy was over so that she could have alcohol again, rather than it being like a craving or like a, a huge release, like a joyous moment mm. a moment when I had that first sip, which was interesting because actually the reality is that, yes, you can drink once you've had the baby, but if you're breastfeeding, you can't really. No. So it doesn't end there. <laughs> like No. The, people go, I've got to be sober for nine months. You don't. If you're breastfeeding, which you may or may not be, whatever, so you're cool, then it's nine months plus Almost all the time you're breastfeeding, unless you're producing so much, you can pump and dump and you can have some bottles of formula. But basically, it doesn't end when the baby's born. Plus, drinking with the baby's really not fun. No, it's bad news. You're You're not getting much sleep anyway. No. And
1: I think also for mums as well, I don't know whether you feel this about guys as well. I think a lot of it is as soon as you have that baby and you're at home and you're holding it, everything changes but also I think you're aware of what other people think of you as a mum so I became very self-conscious that I was doing the right thing all the time and I wanted people to see that I was a good mum it was like mm. my aim in life was like look I was a party girl but now I'm a mum and look how good I yeah, am yeah and it just reminded me of a story it was that I did this once. I did a joke on my parents. They were, they kept calling in the night because um, it was uh, they were in England at the mm. time, and they'd like check on us, check in on us via a video camera that we'd set up in the nursery, so they could log on and see the baby asleep while they were uh, awake in England. I don't know if that's adorable or creepy. No, that's, it was cute because they is could it? go in and see. see yeah, it was lovely. They checked in, but obviously <laughs> I, I sleep
0: naked, so yeah. when I go and tend to this Sunny where... in the middle of the night. This, is, the, oh this no. is where that's going. Oh no. So
1: my mum would phone up and say, oh, I just saw your husband's knob again last oh night.
0: Oh,
1: no. I'd be like, oh, what do you mean? We didn't know at first. Of course, John was going in there to go and give the baby a cuddle. It's, a lot, it's a turning into a penis episode, isn't it? It <laughs> is, not it is not it?
0: Another one.
1: Yeah, and it, of course they could see his willy poking through the cot like every time he picked the baby up. And then after that, it was... We changed the, um, the direction of the camera a little bit. But then after that, as a joke to my parents, because I realised that they could log in and see what we were doing, I said, oh, yes, the baby's sleeping through now. They were like, oh, how, do you, how are you doing that? The baby's only six weeks old. That's incredible. I said, oh, log on tonight and see what's happening. And I added a hamster feeder to the side of the cot, you know, like a little yeah, hamster yeah, yeah, drink thing. Yeah, yeah. I put milk in it and I told them that the baby was feeding <laughs> itself through the night. <laughs> They were like, what's going on there? I don't think that's allowed, Victoria. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's only a joke. Don't worry, we're not really that feeding That
0: would be it. good. We should teach babies how to use those. Yeah, it would, would be much easier, wouldn't it?
1: There's got to be something in Japan like that, I'm sure. <laughs> Some weird gadget. Anyway, yeah, once the excitement of that day slowly fades, the real work starts. This wonderful, terrible privilege of a job that we call parenting And the chances are that it will considerably affect your alcohol consumption, for better or for
0: worse. Okay, so obviously by your third child, you were sober. But how did it affect your drinking for those first two, Vic?
1: In the early days, drinking was impossible, as I said. There's that time where your life is upside down for (laughs) six weeks. You don't know whether it's night or day. So that was pretty good. Then difficulties happened. George started coughing up blood, which was actually from my nipples because they were bleeding so much. Things started going wrong. And and with Nell, she was so tiny, we had to feed her with a syringe. She was like 2.7 kilos and she just couldn't get any milk. Mm. And between that, the cracked nipples and the piles, and I didn't really fit in any time for wine. It was more like trying to heal my body in some way and survive. Although those wind down wines did come into play a little bit. And as things got easier, I met a new mother's group. So at first you go for little meetups at the park Mm -hmm. and you have all your little paleo snacks and plastic containers (laughs) and squeezies, and everyone's all friendly and kind to each other. And then someone mentions a night out and we're like, right let's go and rip off our shirts to Blondie Heart of Glass on some dance floor somewhere. Mm. Everyone's desperate for a night out. So I think it was probably like 10 weeks in or 12 weeks in that somebody in the mother's group said, right, let's have a night out. And I remember just going, yes, a piece of the old me back. Mm. I'm going to show these girls who I really am, not this boring mum, you know. So that was a danger sign right there that I didn't really kind of, connect with I didn't think oh this is bad that I want to do that I just Mm -hmm. thought I deserve this Mm -hmm. all this work that I'm doing for someone else now it's my
0: turn yeah interesting
1: yeah so that's what I did I got bored and isolated during the week and I wanted to find a bit of the old me that first night I went out, was a, it started off as a civilised cheese and wine evening and it ended up with me puking cannon bear into a toilet and swinging my feeding bra above my head on a table. Wow. Yeah.
0: Where were you? In Sydney?
1: I was in Sydney. I was in Manly and I was at the um, Freshie pub. I remember it clearly. The second time I went out on a mother's group night, I puked in my handbag <laughs> So I really went for it. This is the problem with with mummy wine culture, is the space in between it. Mm. So with each week that passed, my need to get drunk increased. Yeah. So the longer I left it, the more messy the night was, the more I deserved it and the more
0: I craved it. So you're, less, you're drinking less frequently, but much harder when you do.
1: Definitely. Yeah. And then I'd wake up the next day, of course, feeling terrible, you know, usually with mastitis because mm. I hadn't pumped and dumped because I'd stayed out too long and all the complications that come with that and I remember standing in the shower with cabbage leaves on the boob with a hangover crying as my baby cried in the room next to me it was horrible Um, and I wasn't able to care for my child and that's when the guilt, shame and anxiety started to flood into my life And I continued this good mum, bad mum act for four years where I struggled between moderation and drinking. We discussed this on our New Year's Day episode, Hamish. It's like that struggle between trying to be a good parent, trying to be a piece of the old you and still wanting to go out but not knowing what to do about it. So, yeah, I got really, really stuck. And then I had to seek the answers. Basically, my kids having those births and having those periods of sobriety, even my wedding... At my wedding, I knew that I could be sober at a social event. So all of these things that happened added up to me becoming sober now. It was my kids and the guilt and shame of not being able to look after them when I was hungover that made me look inwards.
0: And by the time you fell pregnant for the second time with Nell, was it again that sense of relief? Like, oh, cool, I don't have to drink anymore. I'm, I'm going to be sober for another nine months. Was it, was it different the second time round?
1: Funny, Hamish, I got myself in a bit of a pickle before. Mm -hmm. Um, I had her because I couldn't get pregnant for two years and but I was still drinking and I couldn't bear the thought of not having another baby and that made me drink more and I became really scared that I wouldn't get pregnant again because I was drinking too much and actually when I got pregnant I was like yes I've done it I've got an excuse to say no so I partly wanted another child but partly wanted to get pregnant so I could stop drinking yeah interesting yeah it's scary, really, to think back on that now. That that was my what way was out. The biggest driver. Yeah. yeah. Scary. Thank God that I had her and that she was all fine and everything. Scary looking back. Mm. I think it's clear. I that... You're
0: going to say scary looking baby.
1: Scary. <laughs> scary. What she, she was. She was quite small. Sometimes those small babies are a bit yeah. scary looking because they look so fragile, don't they? Yeah. She was scary. She's still scary now. <laughs> yeah. I think it's clear that right at the start of parenting, my drinking slowed down then with the stresses and strains of motherhood it weighed heavy on me and my drinking increased so much so that in the end I had to address it so parenting made me drink more but then allowed me to quit it's interesting and I imagine a very very common pattern I wouldn't change it because that process has taught me a lot I have no shame about numbing out at the weekends it was just how I coped and it was eventually how I got sober what about you, Hamish? What happened to your drinking habit when the Sprog came on the scene? Well,
0: not much change at the start. I mean, we were already living a quite healthy life, I think. You know, we, we don't socialise that much out here, so we weren't really getting hammered. I think I had one day soon after he was born, would be when, I did have a, when I did have a drink. But basically, it wasn't too long after he was born that you asked me to be on the podcast. And I've thought often, if you hadn't asked me to be on this, would I have eventually gotten sober anyway? And I don't know the answer to that. I think I still definitely would have had a relationship with alcohol I'm not getting drunk often just because, like I said on the first episode, like I wanted to be, I still want to be this sort of elite level parent. And drinking does not allow you to do that. You know, if something goes wrong with him and he needs driving somewhere in the middle of the night to the hostel or whatever, I couldn't do it if I was drunk. Yeah, that's huge, that one. That's a big one. Yeah. You know, I, I just want to be the best husband to Liz and me being hungover or drunk So, you know, if you're drunk half the time, hung over the rest of the time, I'm hopeless in both of those situations to her and to him. And I was also aware of that financial side of parenting. So, yeah, giving up booze was always going to be a a good way to save a few coins for him because nappies are freaking expensive they're so expensive nobody warns you about that
1: I know but then you got I've got a mate who tried using the yeah, recyclable the, ones reusable ones they lasted a day because really, well, yeah. they were in England and they put them out to dry in the garden because they didn't have a dryer and it would just rain all the time so they just had hundreds of wet nappies like lining yeah, their, yeah. their washing line she was like fuck this I'm not doing this anymore and she gave up within 24 hours but do do that if you've got the patience Yeah, because yeah, nappies are a nightmare they don't Crazy. biodegrade it takes like 7 years right really? Yeah, it's lit- and then you put them in a bag, and the bag also takes yeah. seven years. So it's like 14 years for a nappy to biodegrade. God knows where they're all going. It frightens mm, me sometimes. Yeah.
0: I remember when we were pregnant being like, I'm definitely not going to do those nappies. We are going to be green, and we're going to recycle. Yeah. And then, yeah, it doesn't that didn't last long.
1: It's just because you don't have time. Like, there's so much more going on. It's like that's the last thing you yeah. can even concern yourself with. Yeah.
0: nappies in a sink? Yes, yeah. Um, but I'm really grateful that I've never had to wake up in the middle of the night to deal with Sonny whilst drunk or deal with him whilst nursing a hangover. Like that has been the greatest thing that sobriety has given me has been that. I do have a good story about the weddings that we went back for oh, yeah. in England a few weeks ago. So Liz was drinking at the weddings and I obviously wasn't. So I was the designated driver, which is fine. And Sonny had not been sleeping at all throughout that whole time. And the, after the first wedding, we came home, we got home at, at two in the morning and we woke up, you know, I think at six, we woke up and Liz turned to me and she goes, oh my God, he slept through the night. I said, no, he didn't. You did. <laughs> <laughs> I was up four times between 2am and 6am with him. She'd probably had the best night's best since night the birth, sleep since the birth. I was like, I'm getting stung twice at these weddings. You're getting drunk and you're not doing the wake ups. Was
1: she hung over? Did she feel rough? Um,
0: she, I can't, she felt too hungover. She, I think, she might have got away with it. Okay, yeah, she wow. might have got away with it. But yeah, that I cannot imagine the pain of doing that. I was lucky. The last wedding that we did, we got home at two uh, midnight or two in the morning. We had to get up at five and then drive three hours to return a rental car by yeah. twelve. And yeah, I can remember being so grateful that I was sober to do that. Oh that yeah, because that's the worst. Oh my god, a yeah. child and a travel day and a rental car nightmare. From the country. With a hangover. So, yeah, I'm I'm so grateful that this podcast was like the perfect excuse to not drink. And it happened to coincide with becoming a dad because it is for sure maybe a better dad and husband.
1: That's so good, Hamish. I love to hear that because I think you're right. I think, you know, numbing out parenting in itself, not just the fact that you're more available, but actually that you're going to miss out on so much. Mm. That's key, isn't it? If you're still drinking after you have kids, you're going to miss out on some really special times just if you're hung over one day and the baby giggles for the first time. Mm-hmm. like You don't want to be hung over when that's going on.
0: Yeah, this bit goes fast. So it goes remember super fast, it.
1: yeah. So we know that our drinking might be affected with the news of an impending baby entering our lives, yeah. but what can we do to help combat it?
0: What advice can we offer to ensure you get sober or maintain your sobriety through the parenthood journey? There is
1: no situation in parenting that has ever been improved by a drink. That is yes. so true. Very good. I mean, what could good comes of it you know take it from me babies and hangovers do not mix well and i hope that you never experience this for yourself but if you do you will know exactly what i'm talking about
0: i can only imagine
1: i remember the night that it was john's birthday i'd been throwing shots at him down this was quite the first time i went out with john after the Mm -hmm. birth it was probably i think george was about six months old and we were throwing shots down the bar like in a saloon like Mm -hmm. cowboys And I remember waking up the next day and that was the only time we ever both got drunk and were in charge of the child. Mm -hmm. And I felt so guilty. It was that feeling of what if something had happened the next day? What if the baby had got sick in the night and we couldn't have taken him to the hospital? I'm sure people do that all the time. You know, it's not good people. I feel terrible guilt about that now and I feel ashamed saying it on the podcast Mm -hmm. that we did that that one time because that is not good parenting.
0: Imagine being hungover and someone is throwing up on you, someone is pooing on you and someone is screaming at you. That is the reality of being a hungover parent. It's awful. It's so bad. It's so bad. (laughs) If the idea of becoming totally sober the day you become a parent seems too big or too frightening, at least consider drinking less or becoming sober curious. Every stage of parenting presents its challenges but the first few years in particular I assume are a lot easier without boots.
1: I would say it's all easier without I'm going to add to that yeah, like I think it only gets harder actually yeah. especially if you have three kids like I do I'm sure you're going to have another mm. kid Hamish mm-hmm. I think once it starts to double up you've got more and more pressure on you there's more and more chores to do more and more love to give yeah. it, it gets harder actually and I'm not looking forward to those teen years yeah yes some people use fear to inspire change if you're one of these then take a moment to consider the dangers that being a drunk parent involves not just things like forgetting to feed them or dropping a baby but not hearing them when they're crying or being able to drive them to hospital if they get injured i mean that is the one thing that we did that one time
0: and i still feel terrible about it yeah. consider the message that this sends to them from a very young age you are not connecting with them as much as you could be So true. Everyone wants to connect with their kids, don't they?
1: Yeah, and it's going to mean you have a better relationship throughout your lives. Mm. Think about why you drink and if you want your kids to be like you. I know I don't want my kids abandoning themselves and sleeping around and passing out in nightclub toilets like I used to. Mm. So it might be worth leading by example and making some positive changes. It's worth a try. I just know that I don't want my kids acting like I did, Hamish. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to try and do everything I can to instill that, drinking for fun is not true yeah that's all I can do as a parent and hope that they follow my lead
0: from my experience giving up when you become a parent is the perfect excuse to give up if you're not a problem drinker yeah we talk about not reaching rock bottom in order to give up but just becoming a parent it's such a seismic change in your life if you're thinking I need an excuse to give up but I'm scared that every excuse is too fickle and that I'll be peer pressured into it becoming a parent is such a good one
1: and also if someone says to you why don't you drink and you answer because I want to be a better parent or because I want to be there yeah. and present for my kid who what sort of wanker Fights would that. deny yeah. that yeah, yeah would argue that you can't argue that can you yeah. I want to be present and I want to be available yeah it's you can't a, argue with that it's a
0: trump card it is a trump card decide to be the cycle breaker and change the habits of your past from your family.
1: Yeah, so true. We talk about that a lot, the cycle lot. breakers. We love it. Consider if being the party house is a healthy environment for children, rethink them getting your beers for you or opening cans of lager. We're not talking about the babies here because they probably can't <laughs> open a cans of lager quite yet. Give them an opportunity to be non-drinkers instead of influencing them that drinking is the only way to have fun. Change the patterns,
0: people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Remember, your kids are watching you and learning from you, soaking up all your behaviour. You are their teacher. So lead by example and change the habits from your own past. I bet that's something you notice a lot as you get older, or as your kids get older, that they're watching and listening to you maybe more than you think. I bet they start repeating or saying things that you didn't think they noticed.
1: Funnily enough, I've been practising my speech around the house that I did in Byron. And George came into the lounge the other day and went, the begin, The first line is, oh, I'm so hungover, where am I? And George came into the lounge and just went, oh, I'm so hungover, where am I? I said, oh, no, George, oh, no. don't say that.
0: You've got no idea what you're yeah. doing, George. I said, that's
1: inappropriate, it's inappropriate, you can't listen to what mummy does. Do
0: not say that at school tomorrow. Yeah,
1: But that's a problem with what I'm doing, like with this job and for you as yeah. well. It's like we're talking about alcohol all the time and part of me thinks that I'm handing on an obsession Mm. about alcohol which we are going to talk yes, uh, talk absolutely. about in another episode but I don't want to hand over this obsession I just want them to grow up and be themselves and not have to think about alcohol at all the only reason I talk about it is because I feel like you know because of what we've talked about today I can help someone mm. but with them I'd like wouldn't it be lovely if they just never had to think about it yeah. our kids. I well, said
0: so George has got a little card in his room about not drinking alcohol I saw that movie. Oh yeah sitting. what's that then? Yeah I can't remember like, he's got something on his wall or pinned to a board about not drinking alcohol.
1: Oh, yeah, bless him, I'm drumming in yeah, from a
0: young uh, you age. <laughs> yeah. You, too, you ever tore down his Justin Bieber poster <laughs> yeah. and stuck up a no to alcohol one. <laughs> I did, yeah. A big cross on the <laughs> do not drink.
1: Personally, I never really had a choice whether I was going to drink or not growing up. It was just something that was kind of inflicted on me. So I want my children to know that not drinking is possible and that everybody has a choice about it.
0: Being present and being available is the key to having happy kids. Don't numb out these special times. Breathe them in. Absorb the joy. They will be over in a flash and you'll have moody teenagers stealing money out of your wallet in no time.
1: I think it's important to say here, Hamish, like we've talked about the birth and having babies and kids as they grow up. But this can change you significantly. And it's important not to, to confuse that change with needing a drink. Right because when you become a parent you become more stressed so that becomes an excuse to drink but actually it's okay to be more stressed and feel stressed and let it pass and have a cup Mm -hmm. of tea you don't have to lean on that one thing you can actually change in other ways you become a parent but you can also become a not drinker so this is a perfect opportunity to start this moment of this this new life it's like turning over a new leaf it's like a total different chapter of your life isn't it so why not make every change possible to make that the best experience for everybody involved exactly like what you've done i think you're a great inspiration for doing that hamish and not getting to the point where you're you're drinking every day or or even just to the point where you're having to still go out and binge drink with your mates because you're not doing that anymore and loads of dads do that at the weekend they all are after the surf or after work and you're not doing that and i think there's something to be said for being brave enough to say no in this situation, because it is stressful having a kid. Parenting does change everything, but you can get through it and not drink exactly like what you're doing. Yeah, thank you. As much as Hamish and I joke about some of the challenges of parenting, the truth is that you end up loving these little brats more
0: than anything else. They are little balls of joy that can be infectious. With this in mind, I recently came across a Brene Brown quote in which she's discussing booze being essentially an anaesthetic. She says... Numbing vulnerability also dulls our experience of love, joy, belonging, creativity and empathy. We can't selectively numb emotion. Numb the dark and you numb the light. There you go. It's good, isn't it? Yeah,
1: it's so good. She's so good. She's so good. Numb the dark, right. Yeah, because then you're just dealing with it for, the, for ages, can't the hangover and the drink.
0: which ones are heightened no. and numbed.
1: I understand, Hamish, why people drink more when they become parents. Mm. I understand no. it. But now I see the other side. I'm like, well, why would you drink as parents? Because it isn't going to help anything. Yeah. It doesn't help. It just makes you feel more grumpy, more sad, more depressed, more anxious. So you've got to get it into your brain that it, it, it's not a necessity, it's an excuse to yeah. numb out the stress.
0: Particularly in those early years. The early years, the thing you're going to miss the most is sleep. Yeah. One of the things that booze affects the most is sleep. Exactly. Enjoy every minute of sober sleep you can. Yes, because sober sleep's great. <laughs> yeah.
1: So every time you use alcohol to deal with the stresses of a difficult day parenting, remember you're also numbing out all the good bits. I think hey, we need to do an episode about how we're going to talk to our children about alcohol when they're older. Yes. We've done the babies. I know this is a topic that comes up a lot on our Cuppa community. Do you tell them about the time you ran down the high street naked while high on mushrooms or keep it a
0: secret? I've not even told you about that. Yeah. How do you know <laughs> Your that? Your wife told me. <laughs> Damn wife.
1: <laughs> yeah, so hopefully we're going to get recording and do an episode about naughty teenagers and what, oh, what, how much we tell them, Hamish. How do we tell them? Oh, God, I have no idea. Where's Alan, anyway?
0: He's got teenagers. Probably, probably <laughs> ringing their ex. Yeah, he's
1: probably bailing them out of jail. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. If you're questioning your relationship with booze, you're struggling to moderate, or your hangovers are causing anxiety, it might be time to reach out for some support.
0: Yeah, just talk to a mate about how you're feeling, contact a local doctor, find an AA or sobriety group. Vic's got one.
1: Yeah, just head to www.cupa.community.
0: Remember, if you're questioning yourself, it might be time to seek support.
1: Even though this journey can be awkward, it is definitely worth it. And if you've enjoyed the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to review it, rate it, and share it with your mates. Do
0: they have to share it with their mates? Yeah, of course they do. I'm
1: not doing this for nothing, Amy. Miss bloody hell. How do they share it